my god. I, I have told stories that I've never told in any interview before. Stories Podcast, your number one show for everything guitar. Hello, guitar geeks. This is Dan. Hello, this is Andy. Ooh, and Andy's super excited about episode six. I am. We're getting to talk about lots of fun things. Um, we're talking about pedals as well this week, which is something we haven't really branched out on, have we? Yeah, no, not really. Do you have like a favorite pedal? Desert Island pedal? Uh, it's not a desert island pedal. It's the Big Muff Pie, the New York one, the big one that's unnecessarily large. Um, oh. so the the silver box with the red and black writing on it. Um, I, it's not. It's I know it's not the best pedal, and as soon as you play it in a band context, you lose all signal. There's no mids in it, and it's it's just terrible. <laughs> but in conjunction with the wah pedal, um, it's amazing. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's mine. What's your favorite pedal? Do you have one? Mm, let me think. I really like the exotic BB preamp. Mm -hmm. The original one, the old one. It's a very cool one. And uh, of course, the tube streamer. I mean, that's probably the easiest easiest answer, but it's also one of the household names when it comes to distortion tuning. So we've made, what's that, about 45 seconds before we mentioned Ivanez? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> New record, yeah. Yay, well done. <laughs> but I generally, my fuzzes are my are my my hometown. I love a good fuzz, um, and one of the best fuzzes I played recently is the new Redbeard Effects. Um, it's an octave fuzz. Mm. It's called the Honey Badger, and Ooh, um, it's really good. It's it's just it goes from really usable and adding that octave, or there's some minus octaves and plus octaves to out and out crazy fuzz is just gorgeous um it's a really fun pedal that makes me smile every time i, I plug into it i say every time the one time that i plugged into it <laughs> but I, i'm thinking about me in the future you know because i know i'm gonna plug into it again yeah yeah i made the experience that i like like subtle fuzzes the most like if it's too fuzzy yeah it's i, I don't know it just it doesn't speak to me but if like there's a subtle Fuzz effect. Uh, no, that's nice. I'm I'm, I'm whole range, man. I'm like going from slightly speaker torn to full on. Oh, think my house is broken. Fuzz, you know, like, <laughs> like there's got to be something. There's one pedal from uh, Jupiter Effects called the Silver Machine that I genuinely thought was broken when when they sent it to me to demo. <laughs> um, it, it is it is a very interesting <laughs> pedal. I'm I'm just imagining that awkward conversation with the manufacturer if you call them. Oh, sorry, the, the pedal received in such a bad shape. It must be broken. It sounds like crap. They go like, it's supposed to sound like that. Well, thankfully, <laughs> I, I know Chris a little bit, and his um his slogan for his business is "F your ears." So I was pretty Ooh. sure that it was not broken, but I thought you know it was confusing. A very confusing time for me. It, it pushed my comfort zone with fuzzies. Um, way out there did your ears ever get used to it yeah yeah it's it's glitchy as hell you just can't predict what's going to happen with it um <laughs> and i think that it's the kind of pedal that you can make great music with 
as long as that music's a little bit experimental and not top 40. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I think it's amazing. That's cool. Some, yeah, I think it's... Yeah. No, some people don't like fuzz. I'm, I'm aware that fuzz is too much for some people. Uh, but it, it hides all my jazz notes, so... Okay. <laughs> it keeps the music clean and rocky. Yeah, and slows my fingers yeah. down. There you go. That's it's pretty cool. That like it's like a, a playground. And whenever you discover a new sound that you that you've never heard before, it like makes you feel something different, makes you play differently, and it's it's, it's pretty nice. It's probably the reason why we're all pedal collectors and pedal lovers. Yeah. Yeah. I like I love it when you go back to a pedal after you know you maybe put it at the back of the drawer or it disappears in the back of an amp somewhere and then you you dig it out oh I remember this and then you plug mm -hmm. it in it's like okay that's it's like an old friend like like <laughs> like someone you haven't spoken to in years or a restaurant that you haven't <laughs> been to in in months that's very romantic thank you I'm feeling <laughs> rather romantic today <laughs> you know what? like pedals are like butterflies each and every one is unique. <laughs> and uh, and like a butterfly when i play through a pedal it can set off an earthquake halfway around the world <laughs> that's called the butterfly effect yes you're welcome thank you <laughs> well we're, we're educating people probably possibly that's not uh that's not a modus operandus nope but there is a new a new pedal dan yeah you found it yeah i Tell found i found it. a pedal um it's from way huge and it's a reissue, a limited reissue of their saucy box. And it's called Ooh. the Chalky Box. And it's covered in uh, chalk paint, meaning or blackboard paint, meaning that you can draw on it with chalks. So like a school board that you would have in school that you can write on with chalks. Um, this pedal has no name on it. It's just black with way huge written on it. And it's got uh, tone, volume and drive. And you can call it whatever you want. So that is cool. What what would you call yours if you could name your 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 drive pedal? My drive pedal. Wow. The, the, oh, no, this the Dan drive the already exists, here. doesn't it? We've got the Dan drive. You can't have that one. Yeah. No. Well, since since the pedal manufacturer is called Way Huge, I would probably just be take the easiest route and and uh, put down. That's what she said. <laughs> okay, that's 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 good. I realize. Or, oh, oh, go go go. Yeah, or I would ask my my daughter to just t uh, paint something, like take the chalk and, and paint something on the pedal and just let it there. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I think if I did that, mine would be called like the unicorn or something, or the the, the sunshine sunshine unicorn. That's what my daughter would paint on there. Hmm. But it's actually pretty handy because if you have like favorite settings, you can just you know mark it with the chalk. So like a, a cleaner setting, a hot setting. Yeah. But then if you, you know, get it wet or sweat on it, then you've, you've lost all your settings. Yeah. Yeah. You might want to ask your girlfriend for some, I don't know, lacquer? Nail polish is the word you're going for, I believe. Nail polish, yeah. Or like what, what you use for your hair? Like, oh, uh, hairspray. Hairspray? Yeah. Well, what that, should, that should work. What makes you think I need so to ask my girlfriend for that? You've seen my hair. Nah, you're not using any kind of hairspray, do no, you? No, no, I'm, I'm looking after the planet. I'm a coconut oil kind of guy. Ooh, I'm having pictures in my head that cannot be unseen. No, but there are people now imagining what my head smells like. And uh, <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm so tall, people never get to smell it. 
you are walking a dangerous route, my friend, because whenever people will see you now, they will come very close and they will take a sniff. Well, I challenge you, dear listener, to come and sniff my head at the next guitar show you see me at. <laughs> so if I see anyone, if I see anyone carrying a stepladder and running towards me, then um, I'm going to wash my hair or something. Okay, <laughs> this has gone very weird very early. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so, but. The pedal itself, you have you have some some experience with that pedal. Not the the chalky box, but the saucy box. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. it's a lovely, lovely, lovely drive. It's way huge, so I'm a big fan of way huge. I love what they do, and um, it's a kind of drive that you need to uh, to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just it's not just another little green box clone. All right, I hear. Hmm. Do you know how many units of the chalky box they are producing? I have no idea. Um, it just says limited, ed- the special limited edition. Mm. So I really like the idea to have like, because then it's so easy to customize it. Otherwise, if you have like a regular production model that's already painted and there's lacquer on it, you would have to strip it off. And, you know, if you want to customize it yourself, but if it's chalky box, it's fairly easy. Yeah. Also, it must mm. be pretty easy to, to produce that as well. So that's a, a good move by way huge, you know, no, no, no <laughs> graphics needed. <laughs> So production costs are 20% less, but this is a limited edition, so it's 20% more. Yes, Genius. business. Mm-hmm. We are both simultaneously taking a sip. Yeah, that was... What are you having? I'm having uh, Austrian tap water. Ooh, I'm having fancy uh, vanilla iced coffee. Oh, get you. Mm. I think if we did the podcast equivalent of the Chalky Box, we would do like five minutes of silence and get people to do their own podcast in that silence. And that's that's the the do-it-yourself podcast from Guitar Stories. <laughs> that's five minutes of quietness. Yes. Meditation. Yes. And finding your inner self. And people just imagine that we're being very informative and extremely funny. Yeah. But in but in a calm way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So did you did you buy any new guitars this time? <laughs> Um, it's, isn't it terrible when I have to think about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did not buy any new guitars, but I did have a few guitars sent me for demo, and um, uh, they'll obviously be unveiled on my channel. Um, and one video, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this already, but one video that I finally got to recording today was a guitar that's 170 years old. you got to be kidding me. I don't think I've mentioned that before on the podcast, have I? Because uh, you don't know about it, so uh-huh. therefore I probably haven't mentioned it. Yes, 170, which is the estimate by the guy that I bought it from uh, about a month and a half ago. And uh, yeah, I finally got around to making the video. I'm t- totally confused if you mentioned that or not, because I, I can recall that we talked about a guitar that's made of like very old parts, but I, I cannot recall that you actually bought it. And I have no clue what, what kind of guitar it is. I think we did talk about it, but let's just recap for all those people that have not listened to the podcast so far. Uh, Vienna in Austria, the country in which I live, is the home of many luthiers, many skilled luthiers uh, all that time ago. And it's actually the beginnings of the company Martin, Martin Guitars, that we all know and love. CMF Mm -hmm. Martin was, or not, maybe not the actual person Martin, but there's some connection with Vienna where he was trained to be a luthier in Vienna before moving to um, America. So 
please correct me if I'm wrong on that, anyone that's listening, but there is a huge link between Vienna and Martin guitars that they don't really talk about, but um, uh, this guitar that I've got, you can kind of see some parlory Martin-ness to it, which is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. So I got to make the video today, and um, it's unexpectedly kind of falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm really looking forward to uh, to to seeing what people think because uh, I uh, I don't want to give it away. But what I will say is that I'm not wearing my normal clothes. I am wearing clothes, but not the ones that I regularly wear for for videos. All right, I'm relieved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's more podcast material really than than video. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's it. Me, have you got any new guitars in your arsenal? Mm, nope, unfortunately not. That's a shame. Yeah, I was playing a lot my ATZ one hundred this week. Mm -hmm. I was just feeling a little bit like single coily, but with some humbucker uh, flavor to it. So yeah, I've been playing a lot of acoustic this week. I've, mm. I've really enjoyed my my Taylor acoustic. It's just it's the kind of guitar that I can just strum a chord on and, and just let it ring and enjoy that sound. Well, since since I don't have the chance to to try too many tailors, um, do you already see a, a progression like that? The tone develops; it opens up more because this is what tailors are usually pretty well known for. Well, this is the new, the first generation of the new Andy Powers um, tailor, and I know that they're trying to um, to make the guitar already a little played in, so not brand new out of the box. Mm. That that being said, I, I say I've played it. I haven't had that much guitar time this week, uh, or personal guitar time. You know, I've had work guitar time, but um, <laughs> it hasn't developed to my ear. But what I will do is ask my friend Steve, because he heard it when I first got it, and he will hear it again next week. So mm. he can probably answer that question better than I can, because I genuinely do just strum a G chord and sit there for twenty-five seconds and go, "Ooh, that's nice." <laughs> it's it's really quite relaxing. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing about a good guitar. You don't need fancy chords to make a good guitar sound great. No, so there's a, a top tip. Um, if you play like me, then just get a really good guitar and uh, and strum it singularly. <laughs> but there is a guitar that I've played recently that surprised me, uh, which will link us to mm -hmm. the next section of the podcast. This guitar is the Sub Zero um, Rogue which is an offset guitar that looks very much like a jazz master with, what would you say, with um, with a Bigsby style. Uh, the mm -hmm. one I have is in tobacco sort of sunburst and it's got block inlays and it's extremely affordable. Uh, it's from Gear for Music and it rocks. It absolutely is rocks. Is Zero their, their OEM brand? Yes. All so right. it's the... If it's what Harley Benton is to Tolman, Sub Zero is to Gear for Music. Uh -huh. How did you stumble across that instrument? <laughs> Somebody posted in Guitarists Ireland on Facebook, and I'm neither Irish nor do I live in Ireland, but I was invited to the group, and someone posted that they had the guitar on offer, and um, uh -huh. so I thought, well, let's see what happens. And I went to Sub Zero uh, to Gear Music, the Austrian site, and it wasn't on offer, so I sneakily 
put my computer through one of those network changing things to make the world think that I was in Ireland. It said, oh, yes, you're in Ireland. So I managed to buy it cheap and they sent it to Austria. Yay. <laughs> and he's such a sneaky dude. Yeah, it's, it's good being a nerd. Yeah, but it's pretty like design wise. It's pretty close to your Jack Stang, right? It's very close to Jagstang, but that um, if you're looking, you probably should, um, listener, uh, check out our Instagram page because there'll be a photo of it on there. And that mm -hmm. upper um, curve where, where your forearm will go, your right forearm, is so good. It's mm. like it's it's halfway between a German carve and a sort of standard Jaguar um, Jazzmaster kind of body curve. Mm -hmm. And it's just beautiful. It just lets your arm sit on there nicely. Uh, the cheap um oem bigsby style uh tram system works really really well uh there are some some fret sprout issues but overall i think i paid about 150 for it it's it's a very good guitar and to continue to talk about offsets i would say the classic offset is the fender Jazzmaster for me mm -hmm. agreed. agreed i've owned I think four or five jazz masters in the past, including Squires, and I've always wanted to love them and just could not bond with the guitar, even though everything looks wise absolutely does it for me. It's kind of weird looking, you know, the, the, and it's the Nirvana kind of vibe as well, this offset cheap looking thing, which does it for me in every sense. Mm -hmm. But even I even bought uh, or I didn't actually go through with the purchase, but I even had for a while uh, a Fender, um, Japanese Fender pink Jazzmaster, and it was gorgeous with a big old neck on it. And it just didn't connect. And I wanted it to so much. <laughs> you know, I wanted it and it just wasn't... Ha it was like going on a date with a, a girl and there just being no chemistry. And you're thinking, oh, she's really pretty, but, you know, doing nothing mm -hmm. for me which is I don't know if I can say that in 2020 but I did and um, <laughs> this Sub-Zero which is a cheap old um, beta guitar for want of a better word it's awesome mm -hmm. and I connect with it so well and I love it so hmm. so that's that's why I'm starting with that one because this week we're doing a feature on offset guitars yeah and we already had an argument uh, previously to starting the podcast what actually is an offset guitar so how would you how would you like define an offset guitar would you mind if you went first because i've spoke a lot <laughs> and my next my my comparison is going to be involving women so uh i don't want to go from one talking about a lady to another talking about a lady so i'm not yeah. i'm not backing out but I, right. i'd like to hear your definition of an offset first all right if okay if we, if we if we take that uh analogy about a woman then let's let's like take a regular acoustic guitar or classical guitar that looks a little bit like a woman with the curves, you know? Oh yeah. But like the upper part with the with the two uh, horns or cutaways or however you would describe it, and then you've got the body. So basically, this is almost symmetrical. And to me, an offset guitar is a guitar where that kind of uh, comparison between the the upper and the lower lower half of the body are slightly leaning in opposite directions or are not like you know similar to each other basically you know so they are offset from each other which basically it gives the name of the offset guitar is that something that you would support or do you have a different definition of it why do i feel like this is the guitarist equivalent of the offside rule in football 
because <laughs> I'm, I'm about to almost agree with you, but also push that a bit further. Okay. So my analogy is is like a a a voluptuous body, be it male or female. But let's let's say female at the moment because I'm looking at a beautiful guitar, and if the guitar is stood up as if it were a person, so the head, the neck is is upright, pointing from the floor to the ceiling, and the headstock is on top like a head. Um, and then the body is on the floor. So we have that guitar in, in portrait mode, should we say. So non-playable mm -hmm. mode. Then if you were mm -hmm. to run your hands down the neck and reach the mm -hmm. body, then move your hands over to the sides of the guitar, be it uh, horns or whatever, and then go round the curves. I feel like my voice should be deeper for this. Round the curves. <laughs> round the curves. And then when your hands meet the most narrow point of the guitar, so where the where the where the hips would be, if mm -hmm. if it was a person, mm -hmm. then your hands should be different distances from the floor. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but in a play, pretty much pretty much the consequence of what I described. If like one part of the body is leaning in an either opposite direction or not with, with the same angle as the other part, then you ultimately land at the point where the hips kind of are not in a like horizontal position so if it were a, i think so but if it were a person it would be like someone was standing straight but one leg was shorter than the other so the one yeah. of the, one of the yeah. hips is higher than the other okay okay the okay. reason the reason i thought we were having a disagreement is that you sent me the picture of the um what was it the prs uh yep yep uh, the prs uh, tremonti prototype i don't consider that being an offset because from the pictures you sent me it doesn't look like there's the most narrowest point of the body is okay now that i'm looking at the picture again i get to disagreeing with myself it is <laughs> i don't know the cool part is or, or the sad part is that our listeners they can't really see what you're doing because andy while he was while he was describing his dis definition of an offset guitar he was basically painting into the air and he was moving his hands it was a very kind of almost sexy atmosphere <laughs> Thank you. That was just for you, mate. Yeah. That's 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 between yeah, thank, you. Thank You're you welcome. Thank you. We should probably think about like recording also the video and then put it on YouTube. Never, <laughs> never. That's that's a that's that's uh, Patreon only. That we don't have a Patreon. <laughs> right. Okay, but so I think we are offset, agreeing, right? We're agreeing on what an offset yeah. is. So those yeah. those two lines are not direct. Like on, if you were to yeah. take a strat, for example, um, mm -hmm. those two points would be at the same point. Yeah, and I'm just looking at my my guitars now. Yeah, so I've got a, a Prestige as well, a, a Coupe DC, and that that's quite quite similar. It's it's very symmetrical. But for me, that the most the point. I think symmetry is the main main point. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, did we just disagree or did we agree? I, I'm. I think we agreed. Oh, that's boring. For for me, it's about like a visual balance because I'm a, like I'm a monk when it comes to order and, and having I, I really like stuff that is symmetrical yeah me too uh, sorting things you know white white blue blue red red like pens or whatever okay underwear guitars now nah, i'm just kidding but you know some some order and for me an offset guitar is if that kind of symmetrical view is not is, is kind of shifted in, in either direction yeah i think with a, with an offset guitar the player is making a statement like this is not symmetrical i'm a bit quirky so you often yep. find uh, offset guitars with players that um, like to give a little bit of a 
different but all the same kind of look so i don't want to say hipster because it's not fair to say that but people that for them image is very important to be a little bit off center or offset mm -hmm. one might say a kind of non-conformist guitar right that's the words i was looking for thank you dan you're welcome. Even even <laughs> though there are many of these guitars, there's nothing unusual about playing an offset right now. But back in the 90s, it was because no one was playing them. Mm -hmm. So then they were repopularized by band, by grunge bands and, and bands that were just trying to buy cheap guitars that they could abuse on stage. Or, or in Kurt's case, left-handed guitars, which were cheap. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that as in fashion, those kind of trends, they come back. So we had in the early 90s and now in the 20, early, like late 2010s and early 2020s, the offset game is very strong. Oh, yeah. There are many brands that have offsets these days. And, and um, I think we're going to list a few of our favorites right now, aren't we? Yeah, let's do that. So let's do, let's do 10. What are 10 offset guitars that we can come up with that, that lately, either lately or like back in the day, were head turners for us. Okay, may I start with one, which absolutely the original, the Duo Sonic, mm -hmm. um, released by Fender in nineteen fifty, and uh, <laughs> it was the the student guitar. It was the the cheapest um, guitar to the electric guitar that Fender could produce. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why it was offset. I have no idea where offset comes from. Do you have any idea? Not really. Probably some ergonomic like reasons that players would approach a luthier or a guitar designer and tell them, "I need a little bit more room here and a little bit less room there." Or, I don't know. I think so. I mean, because please, no, please. Now, if you think about an offset design, like a classical offset design, it gives you more space in the on the lower horn, so better higher fret access. Whereas if you shift like the upper part of the body a little bit towards the the neck, then it gives you a little bit smoother curves and is a little bit rounder. Yeah, I'm with you there. So making it more ergonomic for the beginner player would be a very um, sensible idea. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and the Duo yeah. Sonic was sort of literally became like Mustang, and and um, eventually we. Uh, I'm not going to move anymore because I, I mentioned two guitars now. It's your turn. <laughs> oh well, you you went so far back in history. Uh, I, I'm not really having a lot of memories because I'm not an offset player. But one of the coolest offset guitars that I can recall, like, oh God, how many years back? I was a teen. Was the uh, NDM1, the Noodle Signature guitar, <gasps> the Tallman guitar. <sighs> and that guitar was completely covered in green, grayish duct tape. That was a Tallman? <laughs> that was a Tallman, yeah. I got it. Um, I'm Googling yeah. this as we, as we podcast. Yeah, we we can we can add pictures. That was it was a cool oh, man. The guitar must be like almost twenty years old. Oh yeah. And uh, taped stained gray was the finish. Yeah. My goodness. It was a pretty a, a pretty kind of no frills instrument. Really really like narrowed down to the quintessential parts. It was like bass with body, fixed bridge, three cheap Ibanez OEM humbuckers, and then that duct tape. But that duct tape totally did it for me. That was so different. And it, it didn't look clean at all. And every every single guitar would be a unique piece, you know, because the duct tape was really kind of hand applied. Or I don't know how they did it. Yeah, it was a quirky approach. Yeah, I wonder how these guitars look like nowadays, like twenty years on the on the. Stage. Was it was it real duct tape? So even the were there were yeah. there production models? 
Yeah, you could you could just like put it off. Piece of the piece of the piece. These, those were like small pieces. I want to know what's underneath there. The wood. So just like just wood, basewood. Uh, basewood, and then and then tape on top of it. I think so. I, I don't even know if the wood was even finished. Like if they if they had some 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 kind of like setting finish or any kind of layer in between. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm allowing you uh, one Ibanez in this. That that oh, you you man. played a joke okay. you played a joker straight away. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Then you go for it. I'm gonna go for the. Oh, I shouldn't go for another Fender. Um, I, I oh mm, oh it's so hard. Uh. <laughs> So each of us can mention a brand once. Really? Okay. No, that's not fair. Yeah. Oh, I thought I yep. thought I was making yep. the rules. <laughs> oh, I've, I've I've killed myself. Okay. All right then. Here we go. Let's see if I can uh, pronounce it. The Voren Saku T Family Hoochie Bird, which is a heck of a mouthful, and that's V V U O R E N S A K U and. I had the joy of playing one recently at the guitar show in Birmingham, um, and it is just brilliant. Is that a uh, Finnish brand? Uh, it is. Yeah, it was um, uh, from Finland. Sorry, you threw me. There was a joke there that, as an Englishman, I can't avoid being finished, and you know, it's, let's, yeah. let's ignore <laughs> that. Yes. Um, they are available from him, also available if you're in the UK from Coda Music, is one of his distributors, because that's where I saw it. And the one he showed me at the show was like this firebird looking thing. Mm. So I'm sunburst look? Yeah, it's like like a sunburst tobacco burst, this very firebird mm. inspired. And um it just it just works. It's got this big old neck on it, a big head, and it's a no frills tone volume du dual pickup thing i think they're mini humbuckers uh, very much like the in the firebird mm -hmm. thing notice that i've mentioned the firebird now but that's not one of my guitars okay so i've managed to get two in one <laughs> bonus round it's cheating a little it is i i'm really intrigued by the design uh, he does loads, and oh. the, and some of them have got a German carve on them, and they look like a, a kind of thing you might find in an attic somewhere that has been put up there by your grandfather and left mm. since the 60s. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, really beautiful, really well-made guitars that I sadly haven't played enough. But, um, yeah, Vorun Sahu guitars are awesome. Cool. And the, what what's the finish? Is that real nitro finish on it? Because they look so... Like, I'm not even almost like an original old guitar. Like yeah, old. I, I didn't actually ask him when I spoke to him, but I'm guessing it's nitro because he does a like a relic job on it, which looks like a, a relic nitro finish. So, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, but check them out. Um, very beautiful. This kind of guitar you look at and go, "Oh, that's nice." Better start saving. <laughs> what's what's the price range for these guitars? Do you have any? Um, I'm gonna go for about the three thousand mark. So certainly not cheap, um, but uh, it, it's yeah about three thousand pounds I believe. So we're looking at three and a half thousand euros. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a guitar that you don't just go out and buy. It's a guitar that you see it and you have to go and visit it. And yeah, it is. Uh, I hate good. to I hate to say it's expensive because it's you know it's hand built. So you know it is expensive in the sense that it's a lot of money. Yeah. 
um, but I think you, you get a lot of what you pay for. It's no more expensive than any, any other guitar that has that kind of um, prestige around it. Mm, I hear. But if you That's if you can get it cheaper, yeah, go for you it. No, sir. I said if you can get it cheaper, then um, then good luck, and let me know how. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see a lot of these in the wild, probably. No, but he's been going for I think over ten years, which is which is great. Oh right. So. Yeah. Okay. On to you. What's your choice, Dan? Mm, let's take something more contemporary. Um, I'll probably go with the Mariposa Music Man Mariposa. Uh huh. That was a. It's only slightly offset, as per your definition, but it it is offset. Yeah, I looked at this as well, and I thought, really? Yeah. I, it's, it's interesting. It's like an Albert King, isn't it? Kind of, but. To, I don't know if you like if you look if you look at it like stand, while standing it almost looks a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, but yeah. as soon as you play, you you feel all those curves that they are on the right spot, and uh, it's just something to it. It's it's kind of quirky and it's different, but I really like that it's it's offset, but the unit itself like it feels just right. So that's that's kind of interesting, and especially because the body is kind of round and. Uh, tilts a little bit towards the upper horn whereas uh you know you still have that that deep cutaway on on on, on the lower horn uh so i don't know it gives you like good access to the upper frets but still has enough heave and enough weight to it uh, i don't it's, it's just an interesting guitar and i like that it's it blends like the old old specs like block inlays and that kind of engraved pick guard and it matches that with modern specs like the the music man tremolo the non-locking tremolo that works just perfectly and um, also what I find what I find interesting is that they are using Okume for that guitar and it's a super expensive model I'm, I'm saying that word a lot recently yeah yeah but usually like more in the in the entry level ranges Okume is more like a like mid kind of entry to mid level wood which I find weird because it's a pretty good tone wood and it's super lightweight it's super, and it's kind of close to mahogany mm -hmm. so uh, I, w I would not necessarily like use those two species uh, synonymous, but they should be pretty pretty close. Yeah. I'm just going to correct myself. I said Albert King when I meant Albert Lee. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> Apologies, people. It's that not are, a V. That were it's shouting. Yeah, it's not a a V. An offset V. <laughs> Does that is that that doesn't have any? Okay, I need to think nope. about that. Well, an offset V would be in Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or in Kiesel Ultra V. <laughs> <gasps> oh, controversy. Yeah. 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 And with, with the Mariposa, I mean, the Mariposa is a signature instrument for uh, Omar Rodriguez Lopez from uh, the Mars Volta. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's kind of vintage, kind of hipster. And that, that's perfectly reflected in this guitar. You know, it's got the best of both worlds, it's got modern features like locking tuners. And then you've got those kind of, like I said, the ornate pickguard and. Yeah, it's almost as if, if, if that kind of hipsterness meets classic guitar building vibes. It is absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. Uh, the one in yeah. black and gold just floors mm -hmm. me, man. That is a yep. stunning guitar with those block inlays, especially the block inlay at the first. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it when a, a guitar has a, a first fret block inlay. Mm -hmm. He says, looking around at his guitar collection, the fine one. <laughs> oh, it's on my <laughs> bass. Whoops. <laughs> is it my turn? It is. I think I can bend the rules slightly. 
right. The J Mascus Jazzmaster from Squire. Ah, oh, that's a cheap shot. <laughs> it is a cheap shot, but that is that is, I believe, one of the guitars responsible partly for the um bring the bring backingness. What is it? The the resurgence of the Jazzmaster <laughs> and the offset guitars. It's so good and so mm-hmm. relatively affordable that people can get a great Jazzmaster at a really affordable price. So the Squire Vintage modifiers were, were great. The classic vibes are great. But the J Mascus has something something about it that's even better. So for the real Jazzmaster nerds out there, they're not actually Jazzmaster pickups in there, for example. They're, they're more P100, I believe. Um, but there were two versions of this guitar. There was one with the rosewood neck, which is the original. And then they mm. did the, is it Palisander? Uh, mm, I think Laurel. Laurel. Yeah, Laurel. They did mm-hmm. Laurel for 2018 because of the CITES thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But now uh, Squire, not Fender, will be bringing it back uh, mm. as um, as the original spec because of CITES um, disappearing <laughs> <laughs> magically. Um, but it's a great guitar. The only issue I had with one, again, that's one of the Jazz Masters that I've owned. Um, the neck was a bit too thin for me and it needs a roller bridge. All right. Uh once you sort that out or put a different uh, tremolo system on there, you've got a really, really great guitar. And the look with the gold pick guard and the cream body. If it had, if it had block inlays and a bound neck, that would never have left my house, even if I didn't bond with it. I just want to look at it. So yes, I cool. cheated. What are you going to do about it? Hmm? Mm, not much, but that that uh, just much is a pretty interesting model. Yeah. It's got raving reviews. Yeah, everybody raves about so, it. Uh, yeah, it's got. I mean, 500, 500 euros is a good price. Just even if you're not sure if you're into offset guitars, and they they hold their price. If you try looking for them used, not only do they mm-hmm. sell instantly, they sell for about four hundred euros, which is unusual for a guitar that costs five hundred euros. You you know, if you buy a new guitar at five hundred euros, I want to say you're going to lose maybe two hundred on that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But a, a JM, if you see it anywhere underneath. Uh, 400 it, it snaps up straight away all right your turn all right um well there are so many you know in, in germany every every other year there was a guitar show called um, the holy grail show in berlin mm-hmm. and that was a pretty cool place because there were so many luthiers that had their unique designs and uh, one of the guitars that really struck me when i was there was uh, a guitar called zeitgeist Okay. And that was that was built by a German luthier called Matthias Schindehütte. And that guitar is kind of interesting because it's like a Tele meets Jazzmaster kind of mix with, with a reverse headstock. Oh. And uh, all the specs are super, super old school. So you start, like, it, it's got a nitro finish to it. It's got, uh, like original, like red alder, which is high quality wood, red alder. It's got smooth edges. Uh, it's like highest quality when it comes to the fretwork and all that stuff. So this is like, like top notch for a for a builder. And and the good thing or the the, the interesting thing about the Schindelhut is that this guy used to be a repair guy for all those old guitars. Like when you had an old Les Paul or ES thirty five that was worth like thirty grand or so, he was the go to guy when there was a repair uh-huh. that, is, that would be required. So he has all that knowledge from the old guitars, and now he applies that to build guitars that look new, 
but feel completely uh, look old and also feel completely old but they are made of the newest materials and uh it's just i was i was blown away by that like because it's like it's one of those guitars like love at second sight okay you know you see them and uh you can, you can check that out if you want to want to give it a try i can even send you a picture but uh we can put it also in the instagram for the episode well, i'm looking at it right now uh, I'm, I'm it's yeah, a yeah. like a black top telly oh sorry a, a black guard telly is that yeah. the one you're talking about with a absolutely it looks again yeah. like a little bit like an albert lee uh mixed with the telly yeah correct yeah a, li a little bit like like with the with the um it's basically a telly sort of setup isn't it so you've got a three-way selector i'm guessing mm -hmm. yep but uh with a with a sort of the standard is it Macorber from uh keith keith richards mm. um it works it doesn't look like someone's taken a telly and got it wrong it looks like someone's done something right <laughs> absolutely and it's so interesting because like the, the the first part of the guitar is almost identical to the telly mm. and then the second half of the part goes into the direction and now here's my point it's almost like an ivan's iceman ah he got one in there he got one in there <laughs> but like if you if you just think about like the last very last part of it it's like that little kind of rounding rounded edge on, on the lower horn and it's the, the upper horn stands stands out. Oh, I see bit. what you mean. Yeah. So if you would if you would take that sideguys guitar and just stretch it, like you could do it on Photoshop, <laughs> and you stretch it by like twenty or thirty percent, then the, the the second half of the guitar would almost look like the the, the upper uh, like the lower side of an Iceman. It looks like it's got a little tail. Yeah, like a duck tail. Yeah, like a duck tail. Yeah, like there's also Vola guitars have something in that kind of. Uh, area there you go yeah 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 so and the, the headstock's also interesting because he's got uh he's got a little kind of bevel on the headstock uh -huh. where, where it says uh schindelhütten uh -huh. where it says side guys so it's like smooth it's not like the usual like fender uh, headstock that has the uh, identical um thickness throughout the whole headstock oh uh -huh. But the upper part, or depending whether you are having a reverse headstock or a regular headstock, usually the part where the, the brand name would be, that's slightly sanded off. It's, so it it's leans, thinner. It, it's thinner, yeah, yeah. So it's got a kind of rounded shape, and this is also something that sets it off. It's like a, a very subtle detail, but uh, I think it's it underlines the artistry that goes into into building that guitar. It's got a, a hooked headstock a as well. Sorry? It's got a hooked headstock as well, which I, I normally don't like. So imagine like a like a Fender Telly, but someone's put an extra little bit of hookiness into it. Mm -hmm. Normally mm -hmm. they can look a bit cheap, but it works on that one. On that one, definitely. And then Matthias, he's doing semi-hollows and, and so many variations of his original Zeitgeist designs. Um, I mean, he's a luthier, so he can basically build any guitar that you want. There's a Zeitgeist so. 2, which is a Strat. Mm -hmm. Oh mm -hmm. well, an S. Excuse me, an S type, um, <laughs> a '60s S type style that's got the same body shape. That's beautiful. Ah, oh, yeah. I wish this was something you know, not a podcast where you could see what we were talking about. Okay, well then, Schindelhutter guitars you really need to check out. They're um, they're not for the the faint of wallet, but um, they are beautiful looking instruments. If you want something a bit different, I'm with you there, Dan. Totally. Mm-hmm. All right, so now it's your turn. I'm 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 running dry. I know we promised ten, but then someone said that you weren't allowed more than one Ibanez, and and I realised that one of the guitars Shoot. I wanted was an Ibanez. 
and an early ball. All right, hang on. We'll stay with you. You sent me a picture of um, something with a Duesenberg tram system on it. Uh, that was what was that? I can't. The Duesenberg tram system? I believe it's a Duesenberg tram system. Oh, you mind? You mean the Dymo Firestar? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know nothing about the so guitar. Go for it. <laughs> oh, and he's putting me on the spot here. So again, Daimel Guitar Works is a, a German luthier. It's a, a couple, and Frank Frank and his wife uh, they are building those kind of one-off guitars that are very artistic. Like they have custom graphics on the body and specific hardware that is kind of quirky. Those guitars are really like far off when it comes to how you know conformistic they are to what what you usually would see in a guitar store. Mm -hmm. So don't expect don't expect anything like regular so and, and the firestar is their model um again it's a guitar that is uh a blend between hmm, what is it like a jazz jazz master kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah yeah go for that kind of yeah 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 and it's got a duesenberg trem on it it's uh they usually have like p90s or different humbuckers and they they do so many variations of their original design the design is a little bit like the the jackson mark morton signature guitar yeah 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 i'm with you there yeah can you see that I, I a little see bit it. like a little bit long a little bit longer but it's not very it doesn't have like very extended curves or is super ergonomic but in its entirety it's a very very unique design and uh like they spec it as you as you want it and then they do a lot of those kind of almost you know guitars that, that come with a message like uh when when um uh, Tom Morello, for example, he would put messages on his guitar like soul power or free, whatever. And uh, so, so Frank and his wife, uh, they come up sometimes with guitars that that have like a hand painted image on it, and then on the on the sides they have certain slogans to it. So it's it's a pretty cool design. And they have say, so many variations. They also have like a double cutaway guitar. But the Firestar, I think, is the design that they got known for, mm -hmm. and, and and they are very very renowned for. And actually, and I, th we, I think we talked about that. I don't know in which episode, but they have a guitar that has a. I think Henning talked about that in his podcast. They have a guitar that has a pickup behind the bridge. That's quite. Um, it's more common than normal in offset guitars. <laughs> yeah, it's called the experimental guitar. Aha. Uh huh. All right, I'm, I'm into that. I've never actually played a guitar with a pickup behind the bridge. Um, so, neither, so you must... get those, you get those um, overtones, or, or you might even say nasty tones. Um, <laughs> so that clinky, clinky um, sound. Yeah. Hang on, I've got to. How can I do that? Wait a minute. Reaches over to my prestige. This kind Break of sound. Nothing. Oh no. Yeah. That sort of clinky behind the bridge. I have. Oh, I, oh, I, look, I, there's I, my I, jag sting. Hang on. <laughs> I'm trying to get the jag sting in this podcast somehow. Listen. There you go. It sounds like an X slicer. It does. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm ready. I'm I've got my my next one, which might be one of my favorites. All right, go for it. It is another um, independent builder. It's Nutter Guitars from America. Mm -hmm. He says, and hopefully not Canada. My stupid European brain. Um, <laughs> It's the Astro Captain or the Astro Commander. They they seem very similar body shapes. I think it's slightly different pickup configuration. Um, mm -hmm. 
And the reason I go for the Astro Captain is because it's black and red, which are my two favorite colors combined. Mm-hmm. It is, again, one of those squarey looking guitars. So they look very pointy and very uncomfortable when you first look at it. It's, it's really a sort of Marmite guitar. You either really do think, yeah, you're into that, or you think that's that's not a guitar. That's, that's just some silly hipster thing. But uh, beautiful guitars. So good. So well made. Um, they just it just ticks all the boxes for this slightly weird um sort of guitar if you want something that at the moment not many people are playing because they're still quite a small company mm-hmm. um actually i'll give a shout out to brian and his family brian is very sadly in hospital at the moment uh having oh, suffered no. from pneumonia and a um a hole in his esophagus and it got quite serious i don't know if he's out of the danger zone yet but he's doing really really well and um if he's doing nothing and listen to this podcast, Brian, I wish you the very, very best because um, you need to start making guitars again because the world needs nutter guitars, if only for the name. But yeah, that, that's Aww. mine. Um, absolutely stunning guitars. They're really, really good. And Brian's a lovely guy. Uh, that that kind of shouldn't matter, but it does. Would you Would you agree, like Dan and listener? Like if you if you care about the brand or the people that play the guitars, you connect with the guitar more. Yep. Um, and we're going to stay totally positive on that one. So, <laughs> I think we, we've sufficiently talked about that in the last episode. Yes. So <laughs> I, I, I believe that if you have a, a connection with a guitar, it goes further than just being a piece of wood with some strings on it. It's um, it's Brian Nutter has birthed these guitars, as do many independent builders. And yeah, it it's a great job. In fact, the the Nutter looks very similar to the Mariposa. They're in the same kind of. Mm-hmm. They could be cousins. <laughs> Guitar cousins. Guitar nice. cousins. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. I, we promised ten at the beginning, and I've lost count. But uh, probably we're at eight, I guess. You're at eight. I knew you'd know. Well done. So, so one, one each, right? One each. All right. Do you want to drop? Because we've got a list. That's dear listener. We have a, a list of guitars that are in front of us. <sighs> but I, I impose the no more Ibanez. Tell you what. Yeah. I know what I do. I'll choose an Ibanez, and you choose something that isn't an Ibanez. <laughs> is that is is or, that fair? Or or well, go go for it. Like it's my turn, right? Because you said another guitar, so um, yeah. Let's and I'm 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 cheating big time here, but one of the guitars because it's not as per your definition, it's not offset. But if you look if you look at the guitar in its entirety, <laughs> it has that offset vibe. If you look at it with your so eyes I closed. Would, so I would go for the Starfield Cabriolet. Oh. Oh. So now typey, typey, typey. Andy, Andy is, is, is referring cab- to. Cabri's chocolate. No. And now, and now, and now, I'm why I'm cheating is because Starfield was a sub brand for Adam's guitars. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they, they, they were about to introduce a range of guitars and they were not sure how they would uh, resonate with the rest of the brand. So they decided, okay, you know, let's give it just a different name. I think it was called like Starfield by Hoshino and had that little Ibanez logo somewhere. But these guitars, they were pretty cool. And, and I, I will tell you exactly uh, which, which uh, guitar totally blew me away. It was a guitar on the Richie Cutson uh, Electric Joy cover. Ah. Which is a, can you... Can you look that up? Electric Joy. Ele- it's a kind of blue, bluish guitar, that, but it's almost relic or sanded down slightly, so it looks abused big time. And it's got like a 
It's got the tele bridge. Oh yeah. And, but it's got a, a single coil kind of Dimaggio Cruiser kind of style humbucker. So a single coil shape, but it's a humbucker. And it's got a tele pickup in the neck position, white knobs, and the Starfield neck that's highly figured. I don't know what what great that would be nowadays and how much you would pay for a neck like that. But that was a great neck. And actually, for I think for the album cover, they actually changed it to a regular um, Ivanis neck. Yes, that's not a Starfield neck on the album cover. It says Ivanis. Correct, correct, correct. But the original guitar, and I, I saw pictures of that, had that original Starfield neck with, you know, like I said, the highly figured maple. And uh, yeah, so that was a guitar I always fell in love with. But And I also, at some point, I tried to chase it down where it went. I think it got ultimately sold to Asia, so I could never really get okay. hold of it. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. That looks like a so killer would, guitar. Yeah, it's not necessarily offset. It's like a modernized or kind of offset. Yeah, maybe, maybe an offset telly. Yeah, you're, you're really pushing the definition of offset with that one. I am so sorry. But but I was I was desperate. There seems to be some. Oh, we're staying with Ivanes. There seems to be some peer <laughs> DNA in that. Like if you look at there's there's one. It's like semi hollow. Yeah. Um, and yep. it's got some sort of like floral cutouts in in the top bout. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I yep. can see that. I can see where Steve Vai might have stolen his design from. <laughs> yeah, those thin line models they were amazing, and and it's still up to this day. And we might have a feature about like investing in guitars at a later point of our podcast. But um, I still think that you can get them for that cheap compared to what what kind of build quality you would get. Well, well so you could they, before before we add this podcast. Now the world's gonna know. Absolutely, and yeah. now they Just, now they all the rates they will go up like on reverb instantly twenty percent increase. But like I'm, as a I'm on like reverb right now. I'm on there. <laughs> I bought number one, number two. Da, da, da. <laughs> one thousand two hundred euros. All right, that, not necessarily. Well, that's more than I expected. No, well, you could get some for like six to eight hundred bucks. Even in mint condition. Rare Ibanez made in the USA, Starfield Altair American Custom 1992 California Custom Shop. All right, fair enough. Mm -hmm. But for mm -hmm. some reason, right, I'm in Austria, okay? We've, we've established that. The shipping is 100 euros. Dan, where do you think this guitar currently is? It really depends on which model you're looking for. Like, uh, no, but the, this, color. But the shipping's 100 euros, right? So where is that guitar? Where in the world is that guitar, do you think? The one that I'm currently ah, looking okay. at. Uh, I don't know. It's in Germany. <laughs> so that's probably hand-delivered to your doorstep. It better be. I want Richie Kotzen to turn that up and, and bring me a sandwich as well. <laughs> that would be amazing. But that's that's a different, slightly different guitar. It looks more like a... Um, like a... Like a star... What's the one? The Fender... Um, Starcaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, my turn. I was going to go. I was going for the Ernie Ball, um, the Saint Vincent. I was mm -hmm. going to go there, but I'm not because I'm not fully convinced that's offset. <laughs> and I've I've held one, and it's one of those guitars that I was really disappointed by because the one I held. I didn't connect with it, and I really wanted one for a long time. Mm -hmm. But apparently, there's different versions of the neck and slightly different variations, and that was one of the thinner ones. So, being a fat hand kind of guy, that didn't connect with me. So, I'm looking forward to trying those out in the future. 
just to get that in there. I don't want to, you know, annoy St. Vincent. She calls me up and berates me. I'm going to go for the, where is it? Um, I'm going to go for the Reverend. Mm-hmm. The Reverend, Reverend are a brand that um, I've, I've had a chat with them recently, and they are wonderful people. And the, the model is the Jetstream 390. And uh, it comes in great colors, firstly. Uh, there's a pink one, um, which is foam shrimp pink, which is really gorgeous. Um, <laughs> but it's a, that one's a 3P90 sort of setup with a tram system. Um, I think it's a roasted maple neck. Uh, it looks like it looks like it. Looks yeah. like it. It's a Karina body, being a reverend, um, and it's a very, very well-made guitar. That's even though it's offset, and and off, we've established that offsets are already slightly weird. This one is even more different than other ones. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that it is an offset, but it, it looks different again. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean, Dan? It doesn't have the classic vibe. It's more like Art Deco meets Rockabilly. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll go for that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a really great guitar. I've played one. I've um, not through an amp, sadly, but I've played one uh, whilst hiking it up on the knee. And um, mm -hmm. from a feel perspective and for the volume of the guitar while it was in my hands, great guitar. Mm -hmm. But not, not sort of... Uh, what's the word? Not um, hipster offcast, offcast, offset. It's more, as you say, more. It's more of a rock vibe to it. So if if you're thinking about going into the offset kind of world, but you're a true rocker, then this mm -hmm. could be the sort of the the bridge that bridges the gap between you and a jazz master. Yeah, I love you. Now, I always like the the details. I, I, that kind of headstock that has like. Like a uh, stairway. Yeah, steps. Like yeah, a reverse, reverse stairway headstock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. And also, if you if you look at the the string tree, it's extended, so it uh, holds also the G string. Yeah. Is that cool? Joe Nail. It, I like those. They're very clever detail. guys. Very clever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a pretty cool thing. And usually those Reverend guitars they're pretty lightweight because they have some. Um, are they weight relieved or what? How do they make them so light? They're made from from Karina. Ah, there you go. So, um, say I'm saying that as if I know everything about them. When I chatted to Ken from Reverend, I totally forgot everything on camera of what they were made of. I forgot everything I'd ever learned about Reverend guitars. And he asked me what the wood was, <laughs> and I totally fluffed it. And um, yeah, and that's on video. So, well done, Andy. All right, I think that should conclude our top list of offset guitars. Mm. And without further ado, I'd like to give it away for our interview guest. And this week, it's a big honor for me to have the wonderful Jen Majura on the podcast. And Jen is not just a guitarist in Evanescence and a solo artist with her own albums. No, she's also an Ibanez artist, so I have the privilege to work with her every now and then. And that was quite interesting because uh, since we knew each other quite well, and we know each other quite well, we immediately like dove into the deep topics. There was no chit-chat in advance, which is quite interesting because usually, you know, you start interviews quite in a soft way and then take the route more into detail and get a little bit more into more of the intimate stuff but with Jen it was like we were there right from the very beginning and it was one of the most interesting and also kind of strangest interviews but in a positive way so without further ado I'd like to uh, yeah give the word to Jen and uh, thank you so much for listening thanks for taking time to check out episode six 
and uh, talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Dan. Speak soon. Hello, Guitar Geeks. This is Dan from the Guitar Stories podcast. And today we're here with the wonderful Jen Majura from Evanescence. Hello, Jen. How are you? Hi, I'm the Guitar Geek. No, I'm not. Andy is not here. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Oh, Andy, we miss you. No, it's um, I'm sorry. It's just me, Jen. I uh, play guitar in that little unknown underground cover band called Evanescence. <laughs> and um, yeah, happy, 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 happy. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time. And uh... you know what I do right now? I'm like literally in my living room at home. I am on a tour break because I won't be touring until uh, the 12th of, 12th of March. And I am at home and I spend most of my time non-touring. I spend most of my non-touring time with cooking and with knitting. And it's really relaxing and I totally enjoy it. My system feels a little sore from the day today because my day was very, very demanding and exhausting. Because here's a good thing. Like everybody who wants to become a rock star, you know, like they always see the big concerts and the tour bus and the, you know, the jet set life. But here's the thing, what you got to do before you do that touring and the jet set life, you have to prepare your normal life to be okay while you are away on a tour. So that is literally what I did today. So I went to the mail post office because all your mail that is coming to your home needs to go to someplace where people actually are uh, opening up the mail. For example, like the tax office will send you some mail. Mm -hmm. This is the oddest start of an interview ever. But yeah, that's literally what I did today. <laughs> so I went to the post office and made clear like fill out a form so all my mail while I'll be away from home will be delivered to another address um, and so far from the plans that we have right now because we're about to go on tour with Within Temptation for a big European tour um, I'll be gone from home from the 12th of March until the beginning of May but there's a slight chance that we'll continue traveling because there are, we have like two festivals or two shows in the States in May, mid-May and that could be followed by some more dates and also wrapping the whole thing up in Mexico at the end of May. So I'm prepared for leaving home literally from the 12th of March until the beginning of June. So your your mail needs to be delivered somewhere. <laughs> so that I took care of. Then also, being away for such a long time, you have to have all your prescriptions, you know, all the medicine you need for that time. You laugh right now. It's not fun at all. So I ran to all of the different kinds of doctors, get all my prescriptions, went to the pharmacy and get all my medicine for being covered for those three months. And also another weird thing is that I was too late for, for, for uh, getting my trash taken out. Like the trash company <laughs> won't come back and take out my trash. Yeah. So I today was digging into my dumpster and had to drive to a dumpster place to just like get rid of my trash because there is no way that somebody will pick up my trash before I leave. So yeah, that's the oddest start of an interview ever. But it's so cool to see all those kind of invisible problems that you're facing when you're on tour. <laughs> Nobody sees that. They see like, you know, you can I don't know, rub off your... Yeah, right. Everybody sees the tour bus and the great hotel rooms yeah. and the traveling and the big concerts. Yeah, but you have to take care about that shit of your normal life before you leave home. So yeah, that's what I did today. So my existence feels very sore today right. really like uh. but i'm glad to talk to you now yeah and you are enjoying a glass of wine so do i i am enjoying uh, a little drink yes absolutely because i deserve it for <laughs> digging into my dumpster today i deserve a glass of a fine drink 
All right. What's what's the best part of the tour? Like uh, pre preparation or after tour? Like when when everything is is settled and you're back home. After tour, I have this rule with my partner um, that I <laughs> let's say the tour stops on the first of June. Mm -hmm. um, we keep it like I'm not home until the fourth of June. I need like two three days to decompress. Okay. And my mom. My my lovely, I love my mom. Mom, if you hear this, I love you. But my mom put it very nicely once. She was like, kid, when you're back from tour, you're just an asshole. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, why? <laughs> so apparently when I'm back from touring, this is like a black and white world. Because on tour, you know, like every day there are people in your face. You're never really alone. And if you're alone, you're completely alone and super silence in your hotel room. Yeah. And then you leave the hotel room and there are like thousands of people in your face. Everybody wants a photo. Everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody wants, it's, it's really like a very uh, black and white life on tour, which is hard to compress in the first time. Mm. But then you get back home and you're supposed to be functioning normal. Out of a sudden, um, you need to figure out like, I saw I saw an Instagram story by Kiko from Megadeth. It was so funny. He was like, "The tour is over. I, I don't know. I I keep missing my my hotel key, and <laughs> I don't have to have it, but I I keep missing it." He he mentioned all the things that, and it's true. You come back home, out of a sudden you have to drive a car again. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my god, how how am I gonna drive that car now? Like, what is first? Okay, key first. <laughs> then now what? Gears, shifting gears. How am I gonna do this? And super idiotic, normal day life stuff. Like I have to go to the grocery store and make up my mind what I want to eat. Yeah. <laughs> like for, for two months, people told me what to eat yeah. and when to eat. Now I have to feel my stomach. I'm like, mm, am I hungry yet? Nah, maybe, maybe in a few. Like, ooh, I have to prepare my food. So I start preparing my food now so I can eat when I'm hungry. It's super <laughs> ridiculous, but it's, it's, demanding for your system when you come back yeah. from a tour so i take my three days off after a tour and my man completely understands it he's like okay i'll, I'll let you be and i'm just a very very uh i would <laughs> i would call myself a very asocial behaving person in <laughs> in my home because i i would like fry chicken wings at 3 a.m and i don't care <laughs> <laughs> I, I do the most weirdest things when I come back home from tour. So, and after those three days, that's my limit. And on day four, I'm functioning like jet lag is over. However bad it was, it's over, mm -hmm. and I'm back to normal. Awesome. So that is my personal rule: how to deal with jet lag and touring and getting back to normal. Awesome. And how much how much time does it take you to get your hands again on a guitar after the tour? Uh, I, I I have my guitar in my lap all the time like i don't know i come back home and I, it's not that i'm sick of playing okay i don't i don't understand like there there are some guitar players who are like i'm sick of playing i i mm -mm. i don't i don't really understand that feeling because there is a spot every day where i'm like looking over to my guitar stand and i'm like hmm I haven't played that guitar since a while, so I should play it. And I play guitar every day, so I don't really have that distance 
to the or I don't really need that distance to the instrument to get a clear head or anything. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, with Evanescence, I don't mean to mark anything, but what I play in private is way more solo stuff. And I get with Evanescence, I'm happy. It's it's a cool gig, and I'm really thankful for having this incredible gig and and being able to work with these incredible friends who are more like a family to me now. Um, but uh, the music of Evanescence leads me to one little guitar solo each show. So when I'm at home, I'm like, oh, now I can play solo. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Great, yeah, great. And what what's your go-to guitar? Like You have, you you have, have... a list. You have a list of questions, right? How many questions are on that list? Too many to cover all of them, so I just pick whatever. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I can I can answer short and fast. No, no, all is good. No, no, okay. All is good. Like, what's what's your go-to guitar if you had to pick one? Like the the, the Soul Island guitar. Uh, my jam. Seriously, uh, I know it's a signature guitar, Steve Vai, Steve. If you hear this, I love you. Um, but it's it's the ultimate guitar because I put some work into that guitar. You know, like um, I had Matt Hatter guitar. Pro- have you heard about Matt Hatter mm-hmm. guitar product? Yeah. Yeah, and they have this Terminator kill switch thing, and and the and the and that 500k boost thing, and and Steve has it in his guitars. And I, that's a funny story. So uh, I have a friend of mine. He runs this awesome channel called Make Weird Music on YouTube. Yeah. And Anthony is just great. And I, I talked to him and he was like, you know, I have this friend, Ed Heisler. He runs this company called Mad Hatter Guitar Products. I'm like, okay, ooh, intrigued. What is it? So he told me, yeah, he's like wiring pickups and, and knobs and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand what you mean, but okay. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, would you like to try it? So it was NAM 2000 and... I can't remember. So um, we've been to this event called the X-Jam. And Anthony was like, yeah, I'm going to take your guitar and I'll have Ed put those his system into your guitar. Um, And then afterwards, because I was staying a couple of days longer in L.A. And I was like, "Okay, awesome. That's amazing. And then Ed could just get it back to me before I leave back to, to Europe. And then I met up with Ed a couple of days later and he brought me that guitar and I'm like, okay, what have you done to that guitar now? Because that was blind trust. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand. I'm, I'm not a technical person. I don't know what he has done to that guitar. All I know is that I can hear and feel such an... To explain it fast, he turned my five switch into a 10 switch. <laughs> Okay. It's like every position has more options now, especially if you play clean or a little crunchy. Mm-hmm. Not so much with the high gain, because you know high gain is just like a razor blade that kills everything. Mm-hmm. But the dynamics when you play clean and a little bit crunchy are just so good. It makes every every pickup sound more the way the pickup is supposed to sound. Mm-hmm. And, and usable just... usable positions, right? Also, like in between sounds, they're all usable, right? Yes, absolutely. So it's it's so good, and I'm so happy with the result. And, uh, well, back to the story. So he came to uh, L.A., and I was staying with our back-in-the-days tour manager in uh, Rendando Beach, and we met up for lunch. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And I was like, hey, let me let me get you lunch, you know, for doing this for, my, for me and my guitar, so thank you. And then the lunch was over, and we walked to his car, and he opened up the tr- his, his car, and there was my little guitar in the little 
bag, you know, and I'm like, oh, thank you. But he had two more guitar cases <laughs> in his car. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and he said, well, you know, there are two guitars of Steve because I'm driving up to Steve's place right now. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? Did you get like life insurance for that car? Like, how can you just leave that in the car? Are you crazy? And I'm like, what, what guitars? I want to see them. So he had um, the first guitar he put the Terminator kit into was the Evo. So now this time he had Flo and the first Woody. All right. In that, in that, in like in the guitar cases in that car, and I'm like, oh, can I touch them? Can I, can I just hold them for one second? <laughs> it's just oh my god. So my guitar was traveling with two of Steve Vai's guitars. That was just like nuts. Awesome. <laughs> the flow of mojo. <laughs> yeah. No, really, I, I, I don't, I know Ed does something to. How, how, what's his slogan? He's like hear what your guitar tone is missing and steve said something like um it gave my it gave evo new lungs mm -hmm. and i like that it's it's really it's a cool system and i'm planning on equipping more of my guitars with that because it just it opens so much more opportunities and it's just so cool awesome yeah and just for our listeners that uh, probably don't know which guitar you're referring to it's the gem 77p the blue flower pattern yes and that story is also on. Do you are you are you familiar with the story how I got that guitar? Nope. <laughs> okay, so I saw it the first time. You know when when we artists come to a booth at a trade show, you know guys like you would grab us by the hand and go like, oh look at these new models and look at this and <laughs> maybe you want one of those. And so we walked there back in the days and. And I saw that blue flora pattern hang, hanging like all the way at the end of the hallway. And I'm like, yeah, this is very nice. But what's that guitar? Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get to that later. <laughs> and we keep walking. So this is the new series. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty nice. But what's that guitar? <laughs> so we ended up at that guitar. And I'm like, okay, I want that guitar. I tried it out and I played it. And I, and I immediately, it, it was just like becoming a part of my body if that makes any sense it was not like a piece of wood that i would play it's just like it it became one with me the minute the second i played it and i'm like oh my god this is fucking amazing this is what all people talk about when they say like hey i found the guitar of my life mm -hmm. that's the feeling because so far i thought like yeah well maybe that's a guitar they just like but then i for the first time understood that feeling like this is the shit so I was like, I, I want to have that guitar. Mm -hmm. So the guy back in the days, he was like, okay, uh, well, I'll put you on the waiting list. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I said, I want that guitar. Even if that means I have to grab that guitar, this one. <laughs> and run away. <laughs> really fast. I want guitar. And he's like, yeah, I'll put you on the waiting list. I'll, I'll make a comment that you'll be one of the first ones. So I got back home from that trade show, very frustrated, very like, I want that guitar, I want that guitar, I want that guitar. And then I decided, <laughs> I decided to, it's it's a not very professional way, but <laughs> I sent him an email every day, <laughs> morning and in the evening. In the morning, my email said, hey, good morning. I hope you have a lovely day. Are there any news on the, on the Blue Flora Patent Jam? And in the evening, I said, 
Hello, I hope you had a great day. Did you hear anything about the movie? <laughs> <laughs> and I've been doing this for like incredible 21 days yeah. every day. And on day 22, I received an email and he was like, I have one. What shall I send it? <laughs> <laughs> so I got it. And, and I'm really sorry until today. I'm really sorry for my behavior, but I really wanted that guitar. <laughs> yeah, but Jen Jen, you know, I, I totally see a pattern. Do you remember the RGA61? No. No? <laughs> the story about that guitar is pretty similar. I had it at home over Christmas and then like I sent Jen a couple pictures like right off the New Year's Day. And then we had the big dealer meeting in early January and Jen was there <laughs> and the whole evening, like every 15 minutes, she would approach me, ask me, can I get that guitar? Can I get that guitar? And it was always like, no, no. But at the end of the day, I was so like annoyed, almost annoyed. No, <laughs> it wasn't a nice way. <laughs> Well, it it works. If I really want a guitar, yeah. you you are a guitar player and you share that love for a certain instruments. And yeah. if you really want a guitar because you're like your whole heart and soul and your existence screams for that guitar, <laughs> yeah. that, it doesn't it doesn't happen that often to me, to be honest. Yeah, but it happened twice. Yeah, but I, I totally so. share I totally share the impression with the blue floor pattern because you know I have I have the, I have the uh, theory about what I call the home frequency. Like every every piece of wood is like an individual part. Like there's not a second part that is equal to it or identical to it. Exactly. And I always think like exactly. if, if that, that, that piece of wood resonates in a certain way and if you find a, a piece of wood that resonates in a way that resonates with you, with your stomach yeah, exactly. and gut feeling. Exactly. Whole... With your entire being. Yeah, yeah exactly. Correct. Yeah, so... I totally agree. So you got to hold and I played, it. I played a couple of other Blue Flora Patton gems and that's not it. It's the one that I have. Like that one is my perfect instrument. And um, to be fair, um, I have another guitar that I really love. Um, I mean, I've been playing Ibanez now since 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 what eight years, almost ten years. Mm, yeah, I think something like that. Um, and I remember that Amy. She <laughs> she came up with this great idea, like, dude, let's do a cover of Michael Jackson, Dirty Diana. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, stoked. Like, that is awesome. That's such a cool song. Let's do this. And then she was like, we should all play white instruments. <laughs> and, I, and I looked into my guitars and I'm like, black, 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 matte black, black, blue-ish matte black black and i was like oh shit okay i need a white guitar <laughs> so um i talked to my guy in uh mike in in la and i was like mike i need a white guitar like amy had this idea of doing this cover of this amazing song and everybody's going to play white guitars and white bass like everything's going to be so badass and he was like well we have this guitar but it's i can't send you that and I'm like, why? <laughs> Turns out it, it was a very, I'm telling stories I've never told here. Oh my God. <laughs> um, this guitar was a very, af let's call it affordable guitar. And he was like, Jen, I can't have you play this affordable starter kit guitar. This is just, I can't, I can't give you that guitar. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care. Like exchange parts, make it, make it really cool. But I need a white instrument, even if you just take a black guitar and spray it white. <laughs> I'm 
So it was an, and it still is, an RG450. Um, I exchanged the pickups. I put in uh, open coil fluence pickups from Fishman. And this guitar really turned out to be like, it's got a Floyd. And when I get the chance to play solo, I love to have a Floyd because I'm all over the place with putting harmonics and shit into that. And it's so much easier to play harmonics if you have like a Floyd. You know, yeah. it's just easier. And, and I, I, I love Floyd Rose. I just love the, the, the options that come with it. And I don't, I'm a person, I don't like to limit myself. So I'm like, great, I can play without the Floyd Rose. But if I want to add like some, woo, I have the option. <laughs> so I love that guitar. And it became one of my main guitars in Evanescence now, even though it started out as a very affordable 450, mm -hmm. RG450. Yeah, yeah. But I love that guitar. <laughs> <laughs> well, something special about it. Oh God, I'm scared of all the stories that will be told in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming back to the to your first days when you started uh, with the guitar, what no, was it? No, I don't want to answer. I don't want to answer that question. It's the same. It's the same level of what's it like to be a female in rock and roll. No, okay, I'll answer your question. Go ahead. No, Go no, ahead. no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. I just want to okay. know: Do you still own your very first guitar? Nope. Um, I heard on your first. Was it the first podcast of this thing uh, where Andy told you that his first guitar was a Honer guitar? Yep. Yeah, mine was a Honer too. All right. And uh, the only thing I was concerned with that guitar back in the days, I think it was six, seven years old, was the color. Because my dad used to play bass in a, in a band and there was this TV show, like a chart show thing, where all the bands of that year would perform once more and um one of the bands performing for that tv station was slade mm -hmm. and they had a guitar player uh from birmingham and he played a pink kramer guitar <laughs> kramer kramer yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm old german kramer guitar um and i was like oh my god and as a stupid little kiddo i completely was like oh that guitar that guy is playing so good so I needed to have like a pink guitar too, which is probably for a girl like the worst choice. <laughs> like, why would I get a pink guitar? And uh, it was on back in the days, eBay didn't exist, but we had a newspaper, you know, like, and then at the end of the newspaper, there was a section where they would sell like used guitars and used bass and used instruments and shit. And there was a guy selling a pink Honer guitar and we bought it. Oh. It literally, it was one of the worst instruments I've ever played in my life. It was horrible. The Floyd was just like like a like a brick, and the neck was just like a baseball thing, and it, it was just like really horrible. It sounded like shit. It for my taste right now, it looked like shit, <laughs> and it it was just it was just horrible. But that was my first guitar, and I I sold it. Yeah, I'm not really sorry that I sold it. But there's one of my guitars that I once owned that I'm really, really sorry about selling it because I used to have one of these also, like newspaper, you know, like last page of the newspaper, somebody sells used instruments. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to buy one of the original Gibson Black Beauties from, what, like 57 or something? Mm-hmm. And I had it, and I played it, and I loved the sound. I didn't love the way how it felt when I played it because every guitar player knows there's a huge difference. You either you play 
Ibanez, Jackson, ESP, all of those kind of brands, or you play Gibson, Les Pauls. Mm -hmm. Like they really play so different. And I know you're a big fan of Gibson Les Pauls. I'm not, um, because because of that guitar that I used to own, and it was, it sounded so warm, so so mighty, so good, and each tone, even if you don't use a vibrato, it sounded amazing. And I'm like, oh my god, this guitar is amazing. So you would play on that guitar for like 45 minutes, mm -hmm. and then you try to stand up. And me as a kiddo, <laughs> it was impossible. I just fell down to the floor because my, my leg fell asleep. It was too fucking heavy. Yeah. So I was having my first kind of gigs at the age of 11, 12. You know, like I could play that guitar for like two songs. And then I was like, I can't stand straight. I have to lower my microphone because I was also singing. Mm -hmm. I lowered my microphone. And then I saw pictures of, of me like standing on that stage like a like an old broken witch with a... <laughs> I don't know. It was horrible. And so I said to myself, like, that guitar doesn't make much sense at all. It sounds amazing, yeah. but I can't play it. So why would I why would I own a piece of instrument that I can't use? So I sold it. And stupid me, I sold it for like, I don't know, back in the days, eight, nine hundred bucks. Stupid. No I mean these guitars nowadays are like what, seven grand? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I sold it for fucking 800 euros or something like that. So yeah, but I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't aware of the fact what that was. So mm. all I knew, it sounded great. It looked badass, but it felt like shit and broke my back. So I sold it for, I don't know, not enough money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Story number three. No, no, that you have to discover. <laughs> it was, it's so great doing the interview with you because you like basically you're checking all the questions that I had because like what's the guitar that you regret selling is always a question I ask oh, because yay! yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like every single person that I talk to has like that one story in his in his back of the head where he says oh, I had that one guitar you know and I dumbass I sold it at a certain point because I had to pay my rent or I don't know I was into I didn't a different even have style to pay of music. Rent. I was but yeah but to be honest nobody has ever asked me that question glad yeah. to answer it before you even ask it awesome yeah Ooh. so next question would be and uh, this totally goes in the same direction what is what is the guitar that you don't own yet but you want so bad the one that i just ordered because i'm getting a pia <laughs> <laughs> i saw it and i was like oh my god this is pure sexy and i know it's gonna be it's gonna be just the best because the way i fell in love with the gem i know that this can only be an evolution of awesomeness of the gem <laughs> and i saw it and okay I, I i tried to figure out like which one because there was the golden one there was the mm. green green envy green one <laughs> yeah and the the pink red ish one and the white one all right and i'm like I thought the golden one was pretty sexy. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Uh, on the other hand, I, I don't see myself stepping on stage with Evanescence playing an, a guitar with the color called Green Envy Green. <laughs> like, I can't do that. Probably Amy will go like, Jen, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you can't play that guitar. <laughs> so I, I eliminated the thought of hot pink. And what's the pink color called? Penter pink. Penter? Penter, like the pink penter. <laughs> Oh, the Pink Panther. Yeah. Okay, Panther Pink. Panther Pink, yeah. Okay, so I I don't see myself on stage with this goth rock 
band Evanescence playing Envy Green or <laughs> Panther Pink. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, okay, gold. Gold is pretty badass. But then all the colors that come when you take a closer look, I'm like, this is very, very, it is beautiful, but I know myself and I'm like, I like to have a guitar that goes with every single, oh, that makes me sound like such a girl, with every <laughs> single outfit that I wear on stage. And I'm like, I can't play a golden guitar and the Tree of Life has so many colors in it. And like, I'll go for the white one. So the guitar that I want to own that I don't have in my hands right now yet is the white Pia because I've ordered it and I'm looking forward to it because that's my homecoming present when I'll be done with the European tour that we're about to do with Evanescence and with The Temptation. Awesome, awesome. And it would be like the second white guitar that you own then? The third. Oh, the third. Oh, yeah, the, have... the UV, the, the universe, right? Exactly, I have the universe. Ah, oh, there you go. But that's a lovely I like guitar. Call, I, I like to call the, the universe, she's my bitch. <laughs> okay. um, I don't know. I, I went through a couple of guitar tags and also me trying to like change strings on that guitar. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. She's just behaving like a bitch. So I, she's got the nickname bitch. <laughs> it's, it's just very hard to get her back in tune and, and, and fix intonation stuff. And she's just very, very... I, I, can't, I can't come up with another <laughs> word. She's very bitchy. Okay. So it takes a lot of effort to get that guitar ready for playing. So um, I think I've changed strings on that guitar twice in my life. And uh, then luckily that thing called Evanescence happened to me. So I had a guitar tech and I'm like, now you do that. <laughs> <laughs> so my guitar techs are each time like, oh no, Jen, do you want to have new strings on the universe? And like, Nah, it's okay. And each time I go like, yes, please. They were like, oh. <laughs> so they're like a proud, like a proud girl that doesn't want to be like an easy girl. Yeah, she's like like a bitch. Goddamn it, she's just like that bitch. I, I love that bitch, but she's a bitch. Oh well. <laughs> I'm just playing that guitar because it, I think it's amazing. But changing strings on that guitar is just a pain in the ass. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I can change strings on my on my jam and all my all my RGs and all the other guitars. Everything is fine. But when it comes to the universe, if you would have that question on your list, like what's the guitar you hate changing strings on? <laughs> The universe, I'll, the bitch. I'll, I'll add that immediately. No, but there's, there's <laughs> because, you know, we're the Guitar Stories podcast and we're pretty geeky. So my, one, one important question for me would be like, all of your guitars like can be narrowed down to a certain type of like super strat with uh, like tremolo and with humbuckers. So like if you really come down to what is the quintessential parts of the guitar for your playing, what, what would you say is, what are the specs or features that are super essential okay. for your playing? Um, absolutely a Floyd Rose because I just love it. I also enjoy fixed bridges. Like the hip shot bridges are amazing for certain kind of stuff that you would play because I always think the instrument you would choose for your playing has to do with what you are choosing to play. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, if I play Evanescence riffs, I don't need a Floyd Rose. So I'm totally fine with a fixed bridge. Mm. Um, but if I play my solo stuff and all that stuff that I recorded for my latest solo album in Zenity, that is like, you have to have a Floyd Rose to just put like have the outlet to put out all the craziness that is in your head. You hear it in your head and you want to play it. And, um, for my solo stuff, mainly I, I totally prefer 
Floyd Rose, that's the number one thing. Not for Evanescence, though, because Evanescence mainly is riffs and the guitar needs to stay in tune perfectly and you just battle those badass riffs and mm -hmm. that's a different way of playing. So I request a different kind of instrument, kind of a different kind of instrument. Um, the specs are, they vary, like really, they are diverse. Um, if I play, I don't know, um, a band, ACDC. If I play ACDC, I don't need a fucking Floyd Rose. Mm -hmm. I'll be totally fine doing that with a hip shot bridge. Um, but if you ask me about my personal taste, when it comes to if I just grab a guitar for whatever I play, I would always love to have like a Floyd Rose, uh, the Zero Edge 2, I think it is. Um, and I like, I do not like the Super Wizard necks because they are just like, it's, it's like holding a business card. They are so thin. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I, I am not a fan of those super thin necks because I am not one of these shredders, you know, those people who play sweeping and mm -hmm. arpeggios like nonstop for minutes and they put like a trillion gazillion notes in, in one second. And I'm not a player like that. And I never put effort into um, learning techniques to become a player like that because I don't see myself mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Um, so... I also cannot, for example, I once played uh, Richie Kotzen's guitar. His signature tele, uh, seriously, I felt like they just cut like 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 a tree in half. <laughs> it's it's so fucking thick. Uh, that's even too much for me. I'm like, this is way too much. And if I play a usual like a like a like a normal Fender Strat, it's a tiny little bit too thick. Okay. Um. So my perfect neck. And again, here we are with the jam. My perfect neck when it comes to a guitar is the one from my premium. It's a premium guitar, um, jam floral pattern. But the thing is, you know, the, the, the normal premiums come with a quite thick neck, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And look at me, all queens, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the, the compromise of being a premium guitar but also being a jam it just defines the perfect, the perfect neck for my fingers. I mm -hmm. love that neck. Um, yeah, nothing more to add. That's it. That's it. That's the specs. The the neck of my gem premium. Okay. And uh, and a Floyd Rose, and then I'm really happy. And if Ibanez could invent like a guitar that would also have a coffee brewer in it, that would be amazing. <laughs> I would totally fall in love with that guitar then. <laughs> Espresso shot in between the songs. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> awesome. I keep telling that to my Line 6 guys. I'm like, hey, if you guys invent a Helix pedal board with a coffee brewer, and you could just like, you know, imagine you put the pedal board in front of you, and I have a microphone stand, and then you put that little tube up the microphone, just like a like a back in the days, like like a, a what was it called? Um, talk box. <laughs> yeah. And then I could just drink coffee during the concert. That would be amazing. <laughs> I don't know what their problem is. Like, Line 6, if you hear this, invent the coffee brewer in the Helix pedal board. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So um, you talked about your album, Insanity. And there's a you lot of... You are really prepared. I'm really impressed right now. Well, I own that album, so... <gasps> yes, right, you do. She never signed it for me, but I own it. But anyways, Wait, I never signed it. No, <laughs> really? Yeah. 
God, I'm such an asshole. Nah, no, no, no. All good, all good. <laughs> but like, um, on that album, there's a lot of like Wemmy Bar stuff going on, a lot of like riffing and nah, uh, no, not solos. at all. Nah, <laughs> no, no. But my question would be like a lot of like it, it basically culminates in all the influ influences that you had throughout your musical career. Like, if uh, you would recommend a upcoming guitar player, like a young like fan of yours, three albums that are quintessential that shaped you the most, what would that be? Oh God, I hate that question. Um, I once had to answer that. It was a um, um, like a metal online web sign thing in Russia and they asked for the best 10 albums in the decade and I'm like fuck me god damn it in the <laughs> decade are you like kidding yeah. I'm having a hard time like mentioning the 10 best albums of the last year like in a decade that's yeah. 10 years yeah but it okay. has doesn't have to be like the best albums but the ones that were that were um that had a lot of influence on your personal playing. It could be like any kind of even pop albums or whatever, because it, okay. you know. Um, I'm not sure about the influence thing, but I, I am sure about um, the albums that I listened the most to. So number one, literally number one, and there's a long, long, long path until number two, like literally number one of all times, Passion and Warfare, mm -hmm. Steve Vai. This is that one album that really changed me to the core because I remember first time listening, the audience is listening. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, he makes an instrument be like, he makes that instrument having a human voice, like a character, like, like it was, I was so fascinated by this wank, 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 wank. <laughs> I was like, how can somebody do that? It's, I mean, an instrument, we are taught like instruments are made to play melodies um, or chords. And, but out of a sudden that instrument became alive for me. Like in my mind, I was, I was a kiddo when I listened to that album, but it, it was just like, oh, there's mm -hmm. this guitar. It has a personality. It has a voice. It, it's, it's alive. Mm -hmm. And that was so fucking freaking me out. And I, I inhaled that album for months. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, dad, because I blasted that album nonstop. And I guess Steve Vai's music is not the easiest to digest, but I, I just freaking loved it. So that was my first album when it comes to guitar playing. I really like, I I felt like my, my, my eyes were pulled open. Like, oh my God, there's so much more out there. Like that guy is coming up with so much new stuff, so much incredible options, how to, play that instrument and I was just fascinated mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that I play like Steve Vai I mean who does duh yeah. but um, <laughs> he's, he's just freaking phenomenal and I love Steve I love the way he is I love the way he talks he's one of the the few people and I just comment that today um, on a video um, because Ola England my my friend Ola England he put out an interview to, today with Devin Townsend. And my comment was like, literally, Devin Townsend, Steve Vai, and Guthrie Govan are the three people on the planet. I I would love to have like, I don't know, a week of a conversation because we would never run out of topics because the one thing those three guys have in common, they are just themselves. Mm -hmm. They are brutally honest. And they just... Give a fuck about what 
anybody thinks and they carry a certain kind of wisdom from their life experience and their musical experience and I just I just love to listen them listen to them talk and I just love to talk to them like I had a couple of talks with Guthrie and it's just each time I, I walk away from that conversation I'm like I feel enlightened as if I just had like a conversation with Buddha <laughs> or something I don't know it's just yeah. it's just so good it, it, it's one of these positive people that you would spend like five minutes with mm -hmm. and you would walk away and you would feel gorgeous yeah. like inspired and gorgeous and gorgeously positive and i i totally love that um what was the question <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> the three albums yeah but like okay. the, these so, are the three people that that would be like the most influential to some degree probably no these are yeah. the three people i would love to spend a lot of talking to all right okay. so you gotta Most you gotta start a podcast on your end the Gen Gen podcast. The Gen Gen <laughs> podcast. Oh, I, I don't think anybody would listen. <laughs> I just talk so much bullshit. So, nah. <laughs> okay, back to the albums. I have okay. to focus now. Okay, sex and uh, sex and religion would be probably even part two on on the list. All right. What's so because, special? Because mm -hmm. um, that was an album with vocals, and the super um to explain that god damn it first of all tm stevens the bass player on that album it was um tm stevens is one of the guys bass players who i did one of my very very first european tours with when i was a little teenager um he hired me as like a guitar you know backup vocals guitar person and my very first european tour i ever did was with tm stevens and i learned he was always like my big chubby chocolate teddy bear friend you know mm -hmm. <laughs> he's just amazing and he carried so much he was just glowing he had that glow that positive glow that high positively energetic glow and maybe maybe that's why i am known on all my social medias for all my positive energies um because jen jen never feels low never never ever is sad or or down like i i have this kind of positive energy inside of me and i, I know that and sometimes I wonder of where that all came from. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's TM who um, taught me a lot about what's it like to be on tour, first of all, because it was my first tour. Um, just a couple of shows, not nothing like super big, but it was special to me. I was like 17 years old or something. And he taught me how to, how to interact with audience. Mm -hmm. He would like break down the song completely and nobody would, knew what was going on. And he was like doing some shake your money maker. And everybody <laughs> was like, what the heck is he doing now? Like, uh, and you, you're on stage, you have to play and continue the song. And then he counts you back in. He's like, one, two, three. And then you continue the song and it's just like so vivid, so yeah, alive, yeah. so happening in that moment. And he taught me a lot about stuff like that. That's uh, probably why I can announce winners doing a song of mine and just change up the lyrics and go like, the winner would be you. Stuff like that. I, I blame it on TM because mm -hmm. he taught me to. Um, and he was the bass player in that, in that album. And Sex and Religion has just so big vocal melodies that I go like, this is a normal person can't grab 
the range of melody notes that are within one song. It's just craziness and it's it's so expressive and so beautiful at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I I love that album. Passion and Warfare is more like a like a legend to me, but Sex and Religion from the musical point of view is like I, I love the artistical point in that album because it's not only guitar, drums, bass, vocals. It's so much more, and you'll discover all of that. And there are parts where the guitar becomes animals, you know, like voices. And I just love that artistical kind of aspect in the music. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm becoming very one-sided. Uh, Passion and Warfare. <laughs> well. I have to go with something else now. Okay, Move. The album Move from the band Free Kitchen. Mm-hmm. My dear friend, Matthias E. Eklund, um, We've known each other since, I don't know, feels like centuries. Um, And he started out to be one of my guys that I would look up to because he was innovative. His interviews were always very pure-hearted, very honest. Same like like Devin and Steve, like very – a lot of wisdom comes with it. He says small things that mean the weight of that small expression he just did is just like – incredible um so i i ended up being lucky enough to open up for his band free kitchen with back in the days with my acdc tribute band but that was the one day the one time we had to play two shows on one evening and we couldn't stay for the free kitchen gig the Mm. one time and i was so sad but then i attended um a guitar clinic and lucky me lucky me it was 10 very intimidated teenagers and me. Mm-hmm. So nobody was, nobody, everybody was scared. Everybody was like, oh, what is this Swedish Viking doing? Like, I don't, I, I can't ask questions. And I'm like, this is great, amazing. So I'll have like a private lesson now with that guy. I'll ask all the questions. So it was really cool to have that clinic with him. And over the years, we became friends. And I am definitely a part of his free guitar camp. Mm-hmm. He's doing it. Every year, and this time, I think this year for the first time, he does it three weeks instead mm-hmm. of just. Yep. Um, I support him wherever I can with all my being and all my existence and all my heart because that guy deserves the the world. He's super innovative and, for my taste, one of the most innovative guitar players out there nowadays, next to Tim Hansen, who's another incredible artist that I consider like to be super innovative. And I'm always a fan if, of people who create a new way of handling the instrument. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like everybody can play Smoke on the Water. Yeah, we played that stuff. Like, And then there was Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. It was like, what the heck is that guy doing? He's he's a legend. He, invaded, he invented something new. It was everybody was blown away by his way of playing. So Eddie Van Halen is a big deal. And nowadays, guys like Tim Hansen of Polyphia, they start treating the instrument like completely fresh. It's, I yeah. recently got asked if, if guys like that intimidate me or scare me. And when I think about it, no, they don't scare me. They don't intimidate me at all. They are inspiring. Not that I would ever be able to play like him because that is just like not from this planet for me. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I, I I know what he's doing, but it's like, oh my God, no, never, ever. Yeah. Maybe, sh- maybe 
Should I do a Gemma Dura plays Polyphia cover? Well, why not? That would be cool. Try, right? <laughs> but he's like, yeah, I, I totally understand. Like he's got that fluidity. It's not that it's impossible to play it, but it's it's so smooth. Like he goes up and down the neck, and it's all the slides and the taps, and it's it's exactly. Incredible. Yeah, it looks all so as if it's, and it probably is from the inside of his feelings, like the inside of his being. It's just like playing the instrument like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's beautiful because people evolve people move on people not move on and leaving the past behind but they enlarge their skills and they enlarge the uh, uh options and possibilities for the instrument and th i think that's beautiful because we had a time where you know everything was more important like the the we and computer 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 everything was more important than the guitar and i feel like guys like tim bring back that passion for the instrument electric guitar and i think that's just beautiful and and i love his playing he's he's amazing mm -hmm. absolutely i still haven't mentioned album number three <laughs> <laughs> yeah. while i'm talking i keep thinking no, about you said it. you said move from free kitchen oh yeah three yes exactly i said move from free kitchen yes you're right yeah, yeah. Whew, I'm done. I'm used to the 10 albums question, but okay, good. <laughs> well, so Polyphia would be like the runner-up album that everybody needs to listen to, the latest uh, album. To enlarge your horizons, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Even if you don't listen to the album, just check on YouTube, go there and type in Polyphia and there will be the song Goat. Mm -hmm. And just click on that. And as soon as you see and listen that to that song, you will buy the album immediately. Mm -hmm. That's what, what I did. I was like, oh, I got to have this. <laughs> The album, by the way, is called New Levels, uh, New Devils. Here we go. You're welcome, Tim. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're already talking almost an hour. So let's uh, try to kind of wrap it up with a couple like uh, short, really? short questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 59 minutes or something. How many like, more questions do you have on your list? Uh, like a couple quick questions. Shall we do that? Okay. All right. Oh, sure. Okay. Oh, it's God, just like. That's that's the that's a section where the the weird question comes ketchup or mustard or something like that kind of yeah that's this oh, direction no. right. but maybe it's funny maybe not we'll see okay, okay. it's just that's a or b and you and you gotta pick if you want to if no. you want to explain yourself you could do it but you don't have to all right okay oh, all right okay Let's, go humbucker or single coil humbucker strat style or lp style guitar uh strat i'm not strat i'll i want to i want to verify that it's not strat it's rg i like the rg shape all right, awesome. So kind of super strad with more edges and a very modern design. Cool. Major or minor? Uh, <laughs> it has to do with the mood, right? Yeah. I can't. I can't listen to minor all day. I can't listen to major happy music all day. So it, okay, both. I can't say it's like fifty-fifty. <laughs> okay. Tube amp or floor modeler? A tube amp. All right. Unless period and and put like three big exclamation marks <laughs> behind that. It's like tube amp. That's the real deal. <laughs> Even if I play the Helix, people keep asking me, like, how do you like the modeling sounds? I'm not using the modeling sounds and, and preamp and amp simulations of the Helix. I play a tube amp and I just use the Helix as an effect pedal board via send and return. So I I totally love tube amps. And I as long as I can, I will never change my mind. <laughs> awesome. Okay, and the last <laughs> alternative, Nuno or Slash? You know what? What kind of question was that? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> that was that was a cheap shot because I knew what was coming. <laughs> you recently started following me on Instagram. I freaked out. <laughs> I literally, I, I'm a I'm a new Debetcord fan for like 25 years now. No. Jeez. And 
a couple of weeks ago in February, out of a sudden, a lot of people started following my Instagram account. And I'm like, why is this happening? Usually it happens when Amy posts something, Evanescence official posts something, or I, I publish an interview or something happens. But nothing like that was happening. No Evanescence news, no Amy news, no interview. And I'm like, why are all these people following me now? I don't get it. And then I uh, put out a story, and out of a sudden I saw it. Like, Nuno Bettencourt watched, watched your story, and I'm like, I'm dying right now. Heart <laughs> attack. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like that scene in um, The Pick of Destiny when, when little Jack Black is, like, in his, in his childhood room, and then the poster, Dio, can you hear me? I'm lost and so alone. And he, Dio starts singing, like the poster starts singing to him and starts moving. That's how I felt when Nuno Bettencourt started following my Instagram account. <laughs> and still now, nowadays, like every time I put out a, a story or a, a post and I see him watching it or liking my post, I'm like freaking out. I have to take, like I have to put my phone away, like take a deep breath. <laughs> down, Jen, you can handle this. It's just really freaking me out. And the horrible thing is that I turn into an idiot when he stands in front of me. It happened three times in my life already. And each time I turn into, I like to call it, a mute, moron, idiot stick figure. <laughs> I can't talk. I can't hold on to a decent conversation. I'm like the complete opposite of what I am right now because I can party, party, ba, 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 ba. I'm like totally easy like to talk to, right? So, But when I'm standing next to that person, I'm like mute. I can't, I can't answer. I can't, I can't think. I, it's just horrible. And now that, that he's aware of me, I'm like, my biggest fear is that he walks up to me and talks to me. And I would just like shut down and become that <laughs> idiot stick figure. Sorry, excuse me. Mute, moron, idiot stick figure. <laughs> we so, can't close the interview like that, please. No, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely like, not. That is horrible. Like that, that is a horrible ending to the interview. I know, no, no. It's not the last question. So, but, but, <laughs> but, um, like coming back to your like return home after the tour, you'll receive the beautiful Ibanez Pia guitar. So, what is what would be the first chord or the first thing that you usually play on new guitars? Get the funk out. Oh, really? Well, there okay. you go. So this is bad. Like, ask another question. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing on most guitars I play is, you know, you do that. You play the G chord, you play the A, the D, and back to the G. And that's what every guitar player plays uh, sooner or later. Mm -hmm. But I figured out, like, the handling for me for a new guitar, the best way to figure it out is to play Get the Funk Out. Because it's got riffing. You have to change your hand position. I know how the, the feeling of playing this riff is or song or whatever mm -hmm. so it i always end up playing this riff that song on the guitar so that would probably be the first thing that i play on that guitar that is awesome <laughs> that is super awesome and i can't wait to have it <laughs> i hear you i hear you so apart from apart from the tour what's what's up on the horizon in 2020 for jen you are at the free guitar camp with uh, matthias I don't know yet, to be honest, because okay. my tour plan with Evanescence stops in the beginning of June. Mm -hmm. And from then on, the rest of my year, is it looks pretty blank. All right. I know it's going to be crazy because um, I'm, I'm old school. So I have these paper calendars, like these big ones on my wall, like mm -hmm. every year. And every January, I would put on the new calendar and it looks so empty. And it makes me as a... As a freelancer musician, it makes me nervous because I'm like, ah, 
so empty. Oh my God, I won't be busy. I will be bored at home. Oh shit. Um, but every single time at the end of the year, it's like black. Mm -hmm. It's, it's crowded with dates and shit to do and clinics and stuff. So, um, for now, my brain knows I'll be busy because we start doing this uh, European tour with with Temptation, which I'm really looking forward to because it's going to be a new production. We'll have a new stage and everything is going to be like fucking phenomenal. I'm not allowed to say anything more about that, but it's going to be fucking great. Um, and then I'll be back home um, for probably, hopefully, a couple of days before heading out to the States, play those two festivals or two shows in the States and then one show in Mexico to make up for the not fest that didn't happen. And then I'll be back home. It's the beginning of June. And from then on, I don't have anything planned. I would love to go to some festivals if I'm here in the summer because rock hearts is my favorite festival, summer breeze. Um, also bang your head. These are the festivals that I love to just go and visit friends and just have a great time, you know, like as a, as a normal person, not work, not playing, just hanging mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. So I hope I can attend those kind of concerts, uh, festivals. And, um, I also hope that I can attend the guitar summit and come see you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much all I can, I can just make a wish list for the rest of the year because my life is pretty much run by a band called Evanescence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's sometimes a course and blessing at the same time, but uh, it's a good problem to have to kind of exactly. figure it's, out the I dates. see it positive and I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for having these kind of like sort of problems. Um, also, um, we least released that today um, that we're going to release the Something on Eleven album in June, mm -hmm. which is amazing because we'll put a crowdfunder out there so people can pre-order the album. Um, probably the crowdfunder will be online when we'll be on tour-ish, I think. And I'm planning on putting out the album in June because I have to be physically at home because mm -hmm. I'm going to like put all the albums into envelopes and ship them worldwide. Mm -hmm. So uh, I need to be physically home, and that's pretty much June. So I plan on releasing releasing um, the uh, Something on Eleven album. It's going to be eight tracks, and those eight tracks just don't give a fuck about mainstream songwriting laws. We have uh, instrumental music on it. We have songs with vocals and we have kind of catchy songs like pop songs. We also have like super guitar instrumental stuff. Um, and also we have one song, um, which is one of my favorites. We skipped the chorus. We didn't have like a vocal chorus line. The chorus is a melody line. So the song is with lyrics in the verses and the bridge and everything. But the chorus is a melody line. <laughs> and I think that's just like the ultimate, I don't give a fuck about the mainstream songwriting rules mm -hmm. thing. So I'm really looking forward to put out that album because it's really the core of joy of making music. And uh, I'm very, very proud of what Ellen and I did there mm. together. Sounds yeah. good. So, so, so for, for listeners, Something on Eleven is a project that Jen and Ellen Brentini, both guitarists, um, they are like pushing and uh, recorded already a lot of music. I think there's a lot of out there already on Instagram, a couple snippets and uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of good energy on stage. It's a lot of positivity, a lot of great rock licks, moves and everything. It's just like a, Absolutely. Yeah, it's just like a powerhouse both of them are. So. Exactly. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Absolutely cool. And um yeah. did you already start writing writing new stuff? 
do you mean for my third solo album or Evanescence? For solo album. Um, <laughs> odd enough, yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, I kind of had the idea of um. No, I won't say that. Um, I was in the studio while we've been recording the first few tracks with Evanescence in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. And you know, when when Tim is tracking his bass or Will is tracking the drums, you can sit in the room and go like, dude, yeah, amazing. But you also can go like, I'm focusing on something else now. <laughs> so I started writing while they've been recording the new Evanescence songs. Um, especially when Troy recorded, because Troy, our other guitar player, he he's very, I admire him for being so focused and so clear about the ideas that he has in his head. And he's like, he's just like going through all ideas and stuff. And, and I'm like, okay, I'll let him do his thing because he's amazing. And I, I think he's a wonderful guitar player and also a great, even if he says he's not, but I think he's a great songwriter with the ideas that he comes up with. Um, but I, I was moving to another room and I started programming stuff like, um, kind of program dubstep Indian metal stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I have a couple of songs already that tend to go into that direction, but I, I got, great uh, samples and stuff um, from the programmer Tiago who worked with us with Evanescence um, who also worked with Korn and Skrillex and all these incredible artists and he gave me a bunch of files and I'm like I felt so inspired that I started working on on a new song you know it's just like um, file name new song Evanescence Studio 128 <laughs> BPM <laughs> so I have uh, started literally to work on those songs and edit um, back back home in the hotel, like back there. I grabbed my guitar and took it with me. And I, I used my, on tour, I used the HX Stomp from Line 6 because it's also an interface and you have all the sounds and stuff. And I started putting guitars on it. And so I guess you could say I started writing. This is the first time I say that, and I don't really want to make a big deal out of it because I don't feel like I've started writing. But if I have the third album published, probably those songs are going to be on it. So sort of half-half. Well, isn't that a perfect way to conclude the interview to like, have the outlook of new stuff that's coming from Jen? <laughs> and uh, well, thanks so much for taking time talking to us. I think there were a lot of very interesting stories that... <laughs> <laughs> that are probably new to a lot of people. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I have told stories that I've never told in any interview before. This this interview is going to go viral. <laughs> well, <laughs> look at freaked out Jen and all her weird stories. <laughs> well, that's actually that, that's how we could call the the episode, <laughs> freaked out Jen. The freaked out Jen, awesome, amazing, <laughs> love it. <laughs> Jen, Jen, thanks again so much for taking You're time. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. That was a fun talk. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye.